Welcome back to the Clutch a Car podcast, and this is another episode of Can You Guess This Car? As always, I will be your automotive Alex Trebek as I test you to see if you have more college, more car knowledge than the average person. Now, as a reminder, I'm going to give you some fun facts about a particular collector car and see how quickly you can guess what it is. Now, these facts will start off very broad, typically about the car manufacturer first before I get to the model. And then they will become more and more specific as we go on. Now, thank you as always to Haggerty providing a lot of these facts and the interweb for a lot of the other facts. You can go to see my show notes at thecollectorcarpodcast.com, which I'll have additional source links and all of these wonderful facts laid out in case you wanted to reference them at a later point. All right, let's start with the broad facts. The parent company of this car was founded in 1948, and they started with motorcycles. In 1959, they established their U.S. headquarters in California. They built their first car not until 1963, which was actually a small truck. It featured a 365cc, four-cylinder, four-cycle, double-overhead cam engine with a carburetor located under the floor and the biggest cargo capacity in its class. They built their first passenger car in 1963, and their first full-scale export was built in 1965. They sold their one millionth motorcycle in the United States in 1968, and they sold their first car in the U.S. officially, wasn't imported, in 1969. They introduced their first fuel-efficient four-stroke outboard marine engine in 1973, and in 1976, they launched the best-selling passenger car in America that is still selling strong today. Now, a quote from the founder is, The value of life can be measured by how many times your soul has been deeply stirred. He was a talented engineer. He quit school at the age of 16 and didn't continue his studies anymore. And in spite of the absence of education, he learned a lot in car workshops. Now, he was also the first automotive founder to create and use a piston ring, which I find that hard to believe, but that's what it says. All right, let's get a little bit more specific and talk about this model. So this specific model that we are talking about was inspired by two models that were launched in the 1960s. So inspiration came from the 1960s. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know that I thought about buying one of these early models at the R.M. Sotheby's Elkhart auction until I actually sat in one. It was difficult not only to get in it, but it was definitely difficult to get out of it. Now, this model has an X-Bone AP1 chassis, so it's very rigid, and the body was steel with aluminum hood and doors, which is somewhat advanced for the time in which this car was manufactured. Roll bars were built in, and the power top dropped in just six seconds, but you had to fully stop the car in order to lower it. It had four-wheel independent suspension that featured coil springs, unequal length control arms, and sway bars, and it received a significant update midway through its life cycle when the engine grew in cubic inches about 10%, and the red line was reduced by 900 RPMs, and it got a lot heavier, which typically happens whenever there's an update to a car. Now, unlike its production version, the concept version of this car had a 2-liter 5-cylinder engine and featured an automatic transmission. Now, the Japanese version of this car, of this engine, produced 247 horsepower at 8,600 RPM. So, that's probably a really big clue right there. 
and it earned the International Engine of the Year Award five times from 2000 to 2004. And it made Jeremy Clarkson's top 100 car list in 2001. Now, the logo can be registered in the Guinness Book of Records as the most conservative one. And actually, it remained unchanged for the entire history of the company, although this situation is the result of many different reasons, which were determined not only by the brand's ideology. The fact is that it's the most stable logo for the last century. The logo is obviously symbolic, though many people still don't realize it. Apart from the reference to the first letter of the founder's name, the logo signifies coziness and safety due to its shape of a classical armchair. Now, what movies has it appeared in? Fans of the Fast and the Furious saga may already know this, but for those who do not, the S2000 was featured in the first two Fast and Furious movies. In fact, it is the only car that appeared twice as Johnny Tran's car was painted black in the first and subsequently repainted pink to be used by Suki and Too Fast, Too Furious. Now, I thought the Dodge Charger was in all those. And it was also seen in the background in Live Free or Die Hard. And it was in some other movies I had never heard about. So I'm not going to mention them now. All right. If you don't know what the car is yet, let's get to the very specific facts. Our model debuted as a 2000 model and celebrated the company's 50th anniversary. Its name carries on an earlier tradition of basing it on the size of the engine, as I mentioned before. It was created to take on the Porsche Boxster, Mercedes-Benz SLK, and BMW Z Roadster. With VTEC variable valve timing, the fuel-injected 1997cc double overhead cam four-cylinder engine produced 237 horsepower. Its 124 horsepower per liter was touted as a record for a normally aspirated engine. With an 8,900 RPM redline, it delivered 0 to 60 mile per hour times in 5.8 seconds, a 14.4 second quarter mile at 98 miles an hour, and a 147 mile per hour top speed. I thought it would have been a little faster in the quarter mile. All right, it weighed just over 2,700 pounds, and the engine was set behind the front axle for a 50-50 weight balance. The power delivered through a six-speed manual gearbox, and it had a limited slip differential. For the very first time in the United States, later in its life, it was available in more than one trim. So along with the base car, there was a club racer model. These are the, the rarest ones, the CR model. And that was launched at the New York Auto Show in 2007. A few of the changes, but not all of them, included a rear spoiler, a 99-pound weight reduction, a Berlina black hardtop, no matter what color the car was, stiffer stabilized bars and dampers, Alcatara seats, a faux carbon fiber overlay on the dash, and a revised muffler for throatier exhaust. Now, what are these cars worth? Well, I'll just give you a couple numbers here. Uh, basically, the base car is worth anywhere between... 24 25 grand for number three condition to 45 to 50 grand for number one Concorde condition. The Club Racer edition is worth between 43 grand for number three to 100 grand for the Concorde. And then the overall trends, it's pretty much been flat, but it started to increase in value May of 2020, so they're they're done depreciating. And the CR model grew double digits in the last few months, starting in January of this year. So if you can find one of those rare CR models, you should get that one. All right, so have you guessed what the car is? Well, if you have not guessed at this point, the car is made by Honda. Honda, the H, is the most stable logo ever, apparently. And the car we're talking about, it's the S2000, which is available from 2000 to 2010. So congratulations if you were able to guess this car correctly.
Now, I will, like I said, try to do this once a week, and I will mix it up. Next week, maybe a muscle car, maybe a pre-war car. Who knows? We will find out soon. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.